Well, welcome back everyone to a special Loaded and Rolling Enterprise Fleet Summit Edition. Uh, super exciting times we're going to have in this show. 26 minutes, of course, standard. But we're going to have two guests coming up. The first one's going to be Miss Debbie Sackman, Senior Product Manager at Skybits. Going to be talking about trailer maintenance. And then later on in the second half of this segment, we'll be having on Ken Evans, founder and CTO of Connexial, talking about the tech stack within fleet operations. So exciting stuff as well. If you are watching this live, check us out on YouTube. If you are happen and you happen to hop in, well, we're going to have this up on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify as well. So keep an eye out for that. But without further ado, uh, we're going to bring in our first guest, Miss Debbie Sackman, uh, the folks at Skybits, uh, trailer maintenance. Debbie, exciting times, especially in terms of telematics with trailers. It used to be you just kind of sent them out and dealt with them later. But, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about diving in. Uh, what is going on with the telematics aspect? And why is it that we're using it more for trailers now when we traditionally were worrying about telematics with the tractors? Hey, Thomas, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, great question. You know, we're really starting to see a little more activity in the use of trailer telematics in maintenance. So let, let's start with the why. So why, why does having trailer telematics help with maintenance? So we all know that fleets need to complete repairs in a timely manner to maximize safety, compliance, and to operate efficiently. Yet, I really am surpri constantly surprised at how many fleets don't use mileage data to make any PM decisions. And this kind of oversight can really cost fleets and drivers time and money. So, so how, how do trailer telematics help with, with asset maintenance? So first off, uh, fleets can use any, you know, any newer, good quality GPS tracking device on a trailer can capture mileage. And then you can use that mileage in multiple ways. For example, setting automatic either email alerts or reports when PM, when trailers cross certain mileage thresholds for, that need a PM. You could use geofencing alerts to notify the right people when trailers that need that PM cross the geofence um, so that you can get those assets routed and taken care of before they uh, head out the door again. And then Lastly, but um, also related, is around balancing trailer utilization by monitoring mileage. So, you know, we've looked at scatter plots before where we will see fleets that have some trailers that have, uh, you know, a ton of mileage, and then you kind of have your average, and then there's some down here that are hardly moving around at all. And by looking at that information and kind of doing some, um, some balancing there, you can therefore kind of extend the life of your asset and then also make sure that too, if you choose to PM based primarily on time, then you're not over utilizing an asset and potentially causing a safety issue. I think that's really interesting. The point you brought up in uh, mileage versus time. Typically, it's like every six months, every year, just bring it in. But using the telematics data now in the mileage, you could tailor it to each trailer and maybe one that's getting used a lot we can bring it in more. I'm not wasting money on staff and taking the trailer out for, for underutilized trailers that could probably go a little bit longer, right? Absolutely, right? You, you hit the nail on the head there. If you have trailers that are getting high utilization, you know, there's, a, there's a reason people pick that PM cycle of X number of months, right? Because they're basing that 
on expecting the trailer to go Y number of miles. And if they're going significantly over that Y number of miles, being able to know that and bring it in sooner so that you're, again, avoiding those those potential safety issues is really important. And then the flip side too, why waste money PMing a trailer after X months when it's gone, you know, half or a third or less than the number of miles you expected it to. So either side of the equation, you know, everybody wins. And going beyond mileage, uh, I know in terms of especially asset utilization and not all miles are equal. Your highway miles versus your city miles versus going across the Rocky Mountains. When we're looking at other ways, let's say I'm a large nationwide fleet and I'm putting a lot of different types of miles. What are some of the other uh, things that they're taking into account or what should we also be looking at when making these decisions? Yeah, great question. And you know, I always subscribe to the crawl, walk, run philosophy. So while you're right about different, not all miles are created equal, um, I think just getting people started with using mileage you know, is kind of a really great first step. And then, and then what can that help you do? So for one, that can help you do things like um, when trailers have reached, um, gone over that mileage threshold, putting them on, say, a watch list of saying, you know, anytime this trailer, anytime a trailer that's on this list uh, breaks a geofence at uh, either one of my maintenance yards or one of my vendor maintenance yards, then that way they can be alerted so that they pull that in and get that, you know, get that taken care of. Um, and then also looking at things, you know, even beyond mileage, then you're also looking at kind of other things that can help you from a maintenance standpoint. For example, um, I've often heard uh, fleets say that they'll they'll do the things that are, take care of the things that are visible first, because if you get pulled over because something is a visible non-compliance issue, then that inspector, you know, kind of feels motivated to look for more things, right? So taking care of those things that are that are obvious, but in addition to that, the things that are less obvious at the same time is going to help with, you know, reducing those um those infractions. Another aspect that we hear too, which was kind of a, a pleasant surprise after we launched Sky Camera, was the idea that, um, you know, they say I'd get these trailers back and there would be, you know, a big hole on the side of the trailer where they'd run into it with, you know, with the forklift. So being able to, to have the images that show, you know, what the trailer looked like at various uh, stages of activity and being able to see, well, when it arrived at the shipper, it was totally fine. And then after we delivered that load, now there's a hole in the side of the trailer, right? So from a maintenance standpoint, they're the ones who are capturing that situation. But now they have the data to go back and say, hey, shipper, you know, we can tell that you guys put a hole in the side of my trailer. And so, you know, Obviously, how you shape that conversation is up to you, but at least it gives you the tools to have that conversation decide how you're going to recoup the cost for fixing that problem. And you mentioned a lot of extra parts added in, which I think is a great point. Uh, crawl, walk, run for a lot of fleets getting out of the cycle of, well, once every, well, every once in a while, we're going to bring it in no matter what and pay no matter what. Now we're going to look at mileage, but you mentioned as well uh telematics like the cameras and so let's say i'm a large fleet or i'm aspiring to be one and i want to integrate this what's the current situation for integrating these different types i'm gonna have to log into different platforms to look at my camera and look at my trailer 
or what are what's being done right now? So if I'm looking down the road and I want to, you know, upgrade, how should I look into that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, back to that crawl, walk, run philosophy. If you're a very small fleet, how can this help you? Even if you're just tracking your maintenance schedules in a spreadsheet, it's easy to download the information from from the software portal, integrate into that your that into your PM spreadsheet, and and go from there. And then the next part, next step is. Um, If I then say, okay, well, I want to be able to get those alerts when the trailers arrive, you could go into our portal, set up those G offenses and set up those alerts. Um, And then as you graduate to having something like a a TMS or an asset, you know, maintenance system, now you're also able to use um, API integration to pull that data into your application, be able to set up your alerts or your reports in your own application and, and also being able to send data back to our software portal, for example, to say, you know, these trailers are in, the, in that watch list I mentioned earlier. So generate that alert for me when anything crosses that geofence. So lots of ways to get started, even if you're really small, all the way up to if you're a large enterprise fleet. And final thoughts here, switching gears to large enterprise fleet. I think that's a really great thing to to finish on is what are they looking at in considerations? What do they need? And what what are they looking at from vendors from like a best practice standpoint? Because I can only imagine that the big factor is if you have 30,000 trailers and you're doing implementing a trailer management program, I'm assuming not only it takes a trailer management team, it also takes your tech team to integrate it. What are some of the factors that they're looking at and what are some of the things they're looking for when they're trying to make these decisions on not only the telematics, but the platform that's going to manage this equipment? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So, you know, they're always looking, everything always starts with the hardware, right? So they're always looking at what I call the big three, <laughs> reliability, right? They, especially the larger you get, the the less often you want to have to touch those trailers, right? So having a product that's reliable, that doesn't require, you know, maintenance all the time to keep things operational, that's always really important. Um, second is connectivity, you know, being able to make sure that you're getting the data that you need, not just from your telematics device, but as time goes on, if you want to add an, you know, add an extra sensor, for example, to help with that road readiness during your, your PM cycles and making sure you have an open, open platform that's going to let you integrate new things as new products come into the market. Um, and then last but definitely not least is longevity, right? I want to put something on my trailer once. I want it to live there for the entire life of the trailer. I don't want to have to touch it again. And then being able to pull all of that information into a single platform where I have you know one place to go to see my information. And if I don't even want my folks to go there, being able to, to pull every piece of data that that telematics is providing through an API into my own systems for my to integrate it into context with the other data that my folks are using. Perfect. And if folks want to learn more about Skybits or try to get involved and learn about the various programs and technology, what's the best way to get in contact? As always, go to skybits.com and reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. Perfect. Debbie, it was a pleasure getting to catch up. Looking forward to talking again and seeing as well as the text getting developed. A lot of fun times now, especially in uh, telematics. Exciting times. Thanks so much, Thomas. Have a great day.
you two. We're going to be a quick interlude before we bring in our next guest. So you can check out the folks at Skybit. That's Miss Debbie Sackman, Senior Product Manager. Speaking about tech stacks as well, I want to thank our sponsors uh, as well, Fork, uh, TTNC, Trimble, Volterra, as well as our content sponsors. You just heard from Skybits. Our next content sponsor will be Connexual. So perfect uh, segue into our next guest. We're going to be welcoming a uh, founder and CTO of Connexial, Ken Evans, going to be talking about the importance of the tech stack. Ken, pleasure, pleasure getting to have you on and uh, getting to talk to you as well. Yeah, Thomas, really nice to be on. Uh what a great event you guys are putting on to focus on enterprise fleets. And we're really excited to be a content sponsor. So uh, can't wait to spend a few minutes with you here. I'm looking forward to it as well. I tell people it's almost when you talk about sizes of fleets, enterprise fleets operate in this whole different world. And so uh, I get yes. a lot of questions when I talk to people from small fleets. What is a tech stack? What do you mean by a tech stack? And for them, it could be like a spreadsheet and then they're using an app or something. And so for large fleets, when I came from one, the tech stack literally felt like various departments all coming together to figure it out. For folks who want to know the importance and what is a large fleet tech stack, give us a little quick around the world for some folks who may not be as familiar. Yeah, I, I would uh, encourage you to think when we talk about tech stacks, think in terms of layers of systems. Just like if you're going to go out into the cold, you're going to wear layers of clothing, right? Um, so if you think about it, you've got your traditional kind of telematics in cab technology. So these are systems that help the driver track his information, uh, helps him to, uh, to know what's going on with the vehicle and reports key data back to, to the management system. So you've got in cab as kind of your first layer of tech in the tech stack. Uh, the next layer, you really would be moving up to something like a fleet management system. So this is a system that's going to not only help you manage your people, your drivers, but also manage all the assets, all the power units, all the trailers, uh, any sensors that are involved, uh, and also manage locations, right? So being able to track where all of these uh, assets are and people are relative to location and then be able to act on it. So you've got the NCAB layer, you've got the fleet management system layer, and then the next level would really be more your traditional load management and execution layer. So this is where a lot of people talk about, quote, TMS systems. That's a kind of a historical term that actually has many different definitions. Um, but basically those are the three kind of layers of technology and then I would add a fourth one, which is visibility and capability to share that information. So um, when people want to talk about their tech stack, the question is, how many layers do you have? Uh, how well do they talk to each other or work with each other? And then um, how does it solve the problem, right? Yeah. And I, I feel like that's really, uh, it, it's almost like, you know, when you see the invention of the wheel, then it becomes a cart, then it becomes like a race car, a fleet tech stack. I think for a lot of folks to get hung up on the first layer, which is how do I even manage my assets? Where are they? And then, oh, how do I manage my drivers? How do I manage this? Looking at the past compared to now, I feel like back in the day, the biggest challenge was simply knowing where everything is. And now when we're talking about integrations right. and stuff, What's the, what's the current situation when we're looking into that? Like, how are we viewing integrations and how are they normally trying to, uh, you know, 
make it happen, so to speak? Because it can be really difficult with APIs and everything else. Yeah, so um, that's a really good question because what we see is that once you start getting over 100 trucks in your fleet, um, the real pain comes from trying to do integrations. And so trying to make, say, your NCAB ELD system work with your camera technology to work with your trailer tracking and then on up the chain into these higher level systems that are really, I mean, where your stuff is, is table stakes. If you can't do that, it's really hard to stay in business today. So the real questions is how do I put a stack in place that's easy to deploy, uh, that's affordable and quick to deploy, and I don't have to spend months and quarters trying to figure out how to integrate it to different um, systems and, and, and other levels. So one of the things that really is resonating with our customers, and, and we have some pretty large customers, some Fortune 150 customers, um, we're bringing to them kind of a, a tech stack that uh, it's, it's basically a zero integration tech stack. And so uh, basically they can get in one dashboard, in one view, uh, tools that work in the cab at the fleet management level, executing the loads and then providing really live-based visibility. And live visibility is a whole different game than, quote, real-time visibility or what people are used to. Being able to see the vehicle live as it happens with no lag and communicate live as it happens and view cameras live as they happen, that is kind of what's available now in these uh, newer tech solutions. And I think that brings in a great thing that you want to avoid having a disjointed tech stack. And I've seen it where yeah. even at a large asset fleet of 5,000 trucks, I didn't always see everything because we had a different piece of tech for each. And it just happened to not be my job to get access to this one. Maybe I should have. Uh, looking at common mistakes, how to prevent a disjointed tech stack. One, from your customers. And what is it normally? What are the biggest telltale signs that I may have some disjointed problems? And what are the biggest common uh, mistakes people are making when either they have a disjointed one or they're trying to improve it? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So it really does start with a holistic approach, right? So you have to have high quality um, data gathering, so devices, hardware, etc. But more important than the device is actually the reliability of the chain of custody of the information, okay? This is where we get into things like edge computing. So um, if you're looking to deploy or upgrade your tech stack, some of the questions you need to be asking are, how does this technology work uh, when network coverage has a gap, right? Where is the processing actually done that supports the driver? And if you're looking at technology that cannot handle um, being out of network, uh, that that does not work the same for the driver when the network is unavailable uh, or that can create holes where data can fall through, that's where you need to uh, take a serious look at that. So I would say number one is you've got to look for modern in-cab technology. Uh, it's got to basically work all the time for the driver regardless of network connectivity um, challenges that Let's face it, all networks in the U.S. have connectivity challenges. Um, second, I would say you need to definitely be looking at lower cost 
standardized devices um, to, to handle processing and input. Particularly, uh, pay attention to Apple and its Apple Silicon, uh, which is providing some amazing edge compute capability today. Uh, also, some of our customers use Android, uh, but if you're going to use Android, you need to be buying an Android device that is on the same level of capability as the Apple devices as far as providing compute power. I also would tell people that you need to look for hardware that can be easily installed. So if it's taking you more than 10 seconds to install your telemetry unit, it's taking too long. Um, and if it's taking more than 10 to 30 minutes to install a camera solution, uh, a mesh camera, mesh AI solution, that's also taking too long because people are used to the legacy technology, which is, you know, it takes me a day off the road or two days off the road per vehicle to install this stuff. Well, that's just not acceptable. The last thing I would tell you is that on uh, device, at least as far as device technology level in the stack, you really need to be critically evaluating trailer tracking. You need to be looking at satellite-based trailer tracking, and the device needs to last for the, the lifetime of the asset it's tracking. In other words, you don't want to pull it in and, and touch it you know, every few years to maintain it or fix something. Um, and also, those devices need to be uh, Apex 2 explosion-proof devices because you never know when your equipment's going to wind up in a in an environment where it's exposed to some other type of danger. I think that's a great point. I've had anyone who says telematics is perfect should try driving between Utah and the Mojave Desert if they're running loads from California to Utah because uh, the ELDs will cut out sometimes the cell if it's using an LTE. I think that's a great point. And one of these things is if I'm looking at end cap systems, let's say I'm using a very legacy one, the old school one's mounted in the dash and it's from like 20 mm -hmm. years ago. If I'm looking to upgrade my stack and I'm looking to try and future proof mm -hmm. a little bit, what are some of the biggest areas in terms of connectivity I should handle? Because I'm assuming everything is bandwidth hungry if we're having live facing cameras, live tracking, it's going to use a lot of data. Yeah, it, it again, it gets down to the how the system is architected. So the, the most modern systems now, what they've done is in the past, the systems you're describing gather lots of data, they transmit it all back to a giant cloud server, they process it all, and then they send answers back, right? That's actually the opposite of the way it's being done now and the innovations that have been made. Uh, edge computing basically takes all that processing power and moves it out to the uh, edge out to the compute device in the cab. So basically think of it as, hey, I have this inside the cab in the form of an app on one of these super powerful smartphones. So the benefits of that are not only can I use standard hardware that performs a lot better, uh, we're seeing customers, particularly with Apple hardware, we're seeing customers that are giving seven years plus useful life out of their devices, whether it's an iPhone or an iPad. And, um, that's a pretty high standard. And if something goes down, it's easy enough just to replace. So, you know, I think that's a big part of making a good decision for the long term is choosing the right compute partner, uh, to do that. But that processing on the edge is really kind of what covers that situation you were talking about. Your example was Mojave Desert. Mine is I used to drive from Wichita, Kansas to Knoxville, Tennessee, and well, you'd go through the middle of Missouri through the Ozark National Forest, and they have a 1G network. 
ELDs don't really work in that environment. So um, basically that's part of what led to us developing this robust move the server into the app process where everything is happening on the edge. And it provides huge cost benefits. Uh, you can process a ton more data and it's actually much more secure as well because it's a decentralized compute system. I like how edge computing is now quite literally the leading edge. Kith, about to run out of time here. If folks want to learn more, get in touch or learn more about Connexial as well, what's the best way to get in contact? Absolutely, Thomas. Um, you can reach us at connexial.com, K-O-N-E-X-I-A-L.com, or you can call us anytime. We're happy to talk to you. That's one of our, the things we get really high marks for from customers is uh, we, we answer the phone and we do a good job communicating with them when they have an issue. So um, you can also find us on Amazon under the My20 brand of telematics. So if Connexial is too hard to remember, just Google My20, you'll find us. Perfect. Ken, thanks so much for your time. Looking forward to seeing the tech. It's moving from the cloud into your hand. That's It's awesome stuff. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's going to be a wrap for this show, but we have a lot more coming up on the Enterprise Fleet Summit coming up as well. If you're watching us live on YouTube, What the Truck with Dooner and the gang will be coming up. And we will also be having later on in the show uh, some folks on, hey, I've got an interview with 10th Street, a few others. If you happen to be catching this as well, it'll be on Apple and Spotify. If you want to find Loaded and Rolling, you like the content, check it out, froiz.com slash loaded and rolling. Going to toss it over, though, to our next show host, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Tim Duder.